It's the Dubai Property Podcast for news, interviews and market trends. And welcome back to another episode of the Dubai Property Podcast, talking real estate as we do around the UAE every week and available on Spotify and Apple and, of course, wherever you get your podcasts from. And it's a Tuesday morning, November the 14th already. I hope that your week has started well. If you're buying or selling property at the moment, we've mentioned this in the past, Dubai apartment owners right now are finding it a pretty good time to sell, especially ready homes as buyers are willing to pay a little bit extra in a premium. Well, something that I found out with the the weekend that has just gone, I found out that one of our podcast contributors likes to dress up in Lycra, get on his bike and ride around the streets of Dubai. Far be it from me to use the word mammal, but let's introduce once more Mario Volpe. Good morning. Good morning, Craig. You are terrible, and I, and you promised me you wouldn't say anything. <laughs> I mean, it's great that you're you're into the into the fitness. And uh, how long have you been doing that, riding around the the streets of Dubai? Well, I need to explain to the listeners that it actually only happens once a year. It's part of uh, Sheikh Hamdan's uh, 30 by 30, which is 30 minutes of exercise for 30 days. It happens always towards the end of October, November time, where he encourages the whole of Dubai to basically get out there, do some exercise, 30 minutes a day, and to keep fit. And cycling on Sheikh Zayed Road, which is what I did uh, at the weekend, was one of those uh, events. And it's amazing because you are not allowed, other than a car or a lorry or whatever, to be on Sheikh Zayed Road. So to be able to cycle the uh, the sort of 12-kilometer track that's uh, that they set up there was amazing. Six o'clock in the morning, sun just coming up. It was fantastic. Now, I, I probably got to take issue because I'm not so sure that you get onto that bike once a year because I saw the Lycra, I saw the photo. You you look like a, a Lewis Hamilton all decked out, ready to sort of race off into the distance. It is true that I do go on a little bit more than just once yeah. a year. I cycle around the marina, <laughs> yeah. it's fine. <laughs> I could tell. All right, so uh, watch out for Mario because he, he is in the Lycra. He's looking very Formula One-ish. No wonder you like your branded residences, eh? <laughs> Absolutely. I haven't got a Louis Vuitton one, though. So, <laughs> Right. Well, that's coming. That's probably coming in the mail from Louis Vuitton after the, the plug at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to real estate. Now, I saw this in the Arabian business. A recent study highlights they said a robust real estate market in Dubai, despite a perceived drop-off with the off-plan transactions during September and October. This is interesting because it goes on to say that transactions, in fact, surged by 46% and the total sales value increased by 37%. They also went on to say that factors such as a lag between house purchases and DLD registrations, they're saying that lag is two to three months and a decrease in new project launches during summer 
actually impacted the off-plan registrations perceived inverted commas decline. So this perceived 65% drop-off in off-plan sales is linked to inconsistencies, they say, in timing and deliberate launch reductions during the summer season. Now that is something that I wanted to sort of float your way, Mario, for a bit of comment on. Yeah, look, the, the listeners need to understand that when when a when a project, should I say, is launched through through the developers, what you hear is the sensational, you know, the cues, the the jostling for positions, uh, the selling out within hours, and therefore the perception is that you know, that's a deal done. Well, technically it is, but that property doesn't actually get registered at the land department until the buyer has actually paid at least twenty percent plus the four percent, which is the uh, the DLD. Uh, transfer fee, as it were, which then goes on to get the OCUD, which is the pre-title registration. At that point, that's when the DLD actually count it as a sale. And I agree with this uh, report because there will be a lag. It depends how quickly the buyer gets to the 24%. It depends also how quickly the developer, once he's got that money, uh, goes ahead and registers uh, the sale at the DLD. So there's there are lots of factors involved that, that might actually uh, turn into a slightly different uh, statistic. Um, and, and therefore, there is this lag. So 100%. Yeah, I, I agree with this. Yeah, and lag effects are are very real. And if you have a look at the economic barometers, when you when you're looking at economies, there is always this lag effect. And sometimes it is not factored in. So that is very interesting to hear the the fact that the DLD has that lag time too, because two to three months, right? I mean, that's massive in terms of delayed reporting. No, exactly. And, and of course, it then gives you a, a completely different picture. So we, we have to take everything with a little bit of pinch of salt in the sense that, yes, the market definitely quietened down in the summer, as, as it does anyway, as the, as the summer months you know, roll on, it's very hot. People come and visit Dubai during those months, but not necessarily buy. So we do see this lag. And so people are now saying, oh, yeah, the market is taking pause. And it, it could be as well. Don't get me wrong. You know, we do a great job as agents to always try and convince, for example, secondary market owners to put their property on the market. We have no say at all of what developers do. But, you know, they also have to sometimes take stock and take time and decide when they're going to launch their project. So this is sort of a bit of a, I'm not going to call it a roller coaster, but it's sort of the ups and downs of, of the Dubai real estate. Now, I mentioned this, oh, it was a while ago that this was happening. The The secondary market that I just mentioned at the top, at the moment, owners uh, that are selling ready homes are finding that that premium. I mean, that's very real at the moment, isn't it? It is. And, and I, I suppose it depends on who the buyer is. If the buyer wants something ready, then they're not going to be dipping their toe in the off plan. But I mean, sometimes a buyer that, you know, will will look at uh, secondary market may also look at off plan too, depending on, on the criteria and on also the offering. But I, but I maintain, you know, agents are doing a fantastic job in, in contacting uh, potential sellers to inform them, look, did you know that your property is worth it? 
X? Did you know that actually prices have done Y? And, and as a result, people are then thinking, well, do you know what? Now might be a time to sort of cash out. And so with the premiums that you talked about, some of them are modest. Sometimes, unfortunately, owners are a little bit greedy and do not listen at all for, to any of the advice that, uh, that agents try to give. Um, but because we do such a good job in getting these properties to market, there's a good choice for the, for the investor or the end user in, in secondary uh, homes. I'd just like to point out, Mario has a, a, a massive team. How many people are you responsible for at the moment? Uh, personally, I'm responsible for 95 agents right now. 95 agents. Now, he, he's all about really looking after these agents. He doesn't yell at these agents. No, he likes to look after them. But you might be thinking, gee, he sounds like he's got a bit of a, a hoarseness to his voice. Is he is, <laughs> is he giving the, the team a bit of a hard time? But no, it's it's got nothing to do with real estate. It's got everything to do with going back a few days ago. I can't believe you've still got that horse voice from screaming and shouting at the television with soccer or football sorry yeah, my, my beloved Chelsea, we actually managed to get a fantastic result. In fact, we were lucky not to actually win the game against Manchester City at Stamford Bridge. Yes, I was with a group of people on Sunday. We, you know, we couldn't believe what was happening in front of us, screaming at the referee, screaming at the goals, screaming at the injustices, etc., etc. And I'm just about getting my voice back now. So apologies to the listeners. I know what it feels like. I mean, hey, hey, the World Cup final, you know, we were screaming at a certain Englishman that was giving the All Blacks the wrong sort of penalty. Now, let's uh, move into talking about another, dare I say, another tower. Tell us about this Wassel Tower. They're they're saying it's going to be a benchmark of 302 metres, a super high-rise structure in Dubai. I think, though, what the talking point is, here is about the sustainability. Yeah, we don't really talk much about sustainability here in uh, on the podcast, but there is one tower that, that is currently under construction called Wassel Tower. It's on Sheikh Zayed Road. It's a 64-storey tower, and it's going to be uh, completed towards the end of 2024. Its sustainability is the key. It will have a, a combination of outdoor landscaping, vegetation, and a passive system that's going to create its own microclimate. Uh, it's designed to reduce the carbon footprint um, and has also solar-powered energy consumption by um, heating up its water, for example. The reason why I'm talking about all this, Craig, is because at the end of November, Dubai hosts COP28, which is the coming together of countries to talk about climate change, sustainability, and uh, you know, building towers like this one, uh, which I think is going to be the first of many, will actually uh, fulfill certain criteria. Today, most people don't ask agents or developers for a sustainable building. But slowly, slowly, people are starting to ask, you know, are there solar panels? What's happening to the water? Do you, you know, they, they call it grey water when they recycle uh, the water in the building to then irrigate their landscaping. This particular tower has sort of shelter that creates both noise uh, reductions from inside and outside. The tower is going to have a mix of apartments with offices, restaurants, and also a Mandarin Oriental hotel. So it's going to be a very, very interesting building. 
when it hands over at the end of next year. Yeah, I think that as time goes on, Dubai would be remiss if they didn't actually sort of bring something in so that these developers really do look at sustainability because this particular tower, I mean, it's quite interesting that its capacity to acclimatise to local temperatures through just the, the shading and cooling techniques, it has to be there in the minds and the thinking of the planners, the architects, the government, how they sort of roll that out because otherwise we're losing a core part of how these buildings should behave. Well, more and more people will ask for these kind of features. I mean, I just remember when I first came to Dubai, I mean, you'd go to a supermarket, you'd buy a Mars bar and they'd give you a plastic bag for it. As time has gone on, the the thought process of do we really need this changed completely. And now, Plastic bags, just like the rest of the the world, are much, much thinner and you've got to pay for them. They're trying to encourage you to use Hessian bags, the recycling bins. You see more of them around Dubai. As I say, when I first came here, I know it's sacrilegious what I'm about to say, but we used to just throw tins and glass, you know, into our refuge bin that then would go down the chute. Now it's recycled. So slowly, slowly developers will have to listen because buyers will ask for these things. Now, of course, they they cost money and potentially the the building will be more expensive, especially today than, than let's say yesterday. But as we go on and more and more of these are actually built, it becomes the norm. And just like anything, it will become cheaper in the long run. Gee, we're sounding very green, aren't we, this morning? We are. Hey, 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 we're we're a green podcast. Yeah, sustainability. Actually, just on that note, I I saw something about Emirates with the first flight with sustainable fuel. Did you catch up on that? Yeah, I I did. Um, It took off last week. Uh, Sorry, it took off towards the end of uh, October. It's known as SAF, by the way, which is uh, sustainable aviation fuel. And uh, in its neat form, it reduces greenhouse gas emissions by up to 80% over its life cycle compared to conventional jet fuel. The flight was to Sydney in Australia from Dubai, and it took off towards the end of October, as I said. Although Emirates has actually been experimenting with blended SAF since 2017. So this isn't anything new. This was the first time they used it unblended. It was good to see the plane actually got to its destination. So that's all thumbs up. <laughs> and also as a, as a sustainable way of getting there too is, uh, is good. Yeah. So that was just the, the pilot and the plane, right? Honestly, I'm not sure uh, whether it was a scheduled flight with passengers or whether it was just, as you say, maybe with cargo and, mm. and just the crew. Not, not sure. We need to find that one out. I'll let you get going. Don't forget the weekend, uh, more of that Lycra cycling around the streets of <laughs> Dubai. And look after that voice. Uh, we'll catch up with you next Tuesday. I'll be much better next week, Craig. Don't worry. We dive deep into topics like buying, selling, investing and maximising your property's value. From mortgage advice to the latest property data and trending numbers, your real estate journey starts here. The skyline is constantly changing, growing and expanding. The Dubai Property Podcast for all things real estate.